Hey, I can't find nothing on the radio. Uh, yo, turn to that station. Stop pity the fool. Living in the 80s. My name's Casey Kasem, and I'm all set to count down the most popular songs in the USA. I want my MTV! Does Theo Huxtable live here? Just say no. Hello, all. Face, you're a neo-maxi-zoomed dweeby. Woo! It says 100% guaranteed, you moron. Hey, where's the beat? I'm a very lucky woman. So am I. Live from Members Only Studios, welcome to Living in the 80s, a podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with the 1980s. The best that we remember. Good evening, boys and girls. Well, that was a girl's voice. It was a girl's voice. That's a girl's voice. Yeah. (laughs) We need need to have something to class up the podcast. (laughs) That hurts. (laughs) Well, what happened was we had trying to get everyone's schedules together, and it wasn't the easiest this week. And I just made the decision, like, if we're going to get this done, we probably have to Zoom it. And what better opportunity to bring Debbie on during a Zoom? So we uh, welcome Debbie. It's Always awesome to have you here. So thank you for joining. Thank you. It's fun to be back. All right. So this week, uh, we're going to talk about everything I need to know I learned in the 1980s. Yes. Uh, This is an idea Kevin came up with, and I loved it. It is, uh, we could probably do a podcast on each one of these topics. Oh, for sure. But we're going to cram them all into one tonight. Sound good? Great. All right. So before we do that, we're going to do a little thing we like to call 80s Rewind. If you're new to the podcast, every day we run across something that reminds us of the 80s, whether we're listening to a song on the radio or we've seen a movie or some kids walking through the mall with a rock band shirt, anything. It's extremely easy to do, even though Snowball, for some reason, finds us the most challenging subject that we have. So we're, we're going to save him for a while. And when I asked if anyone had a moment, Kevin was the first one to say, yep. So Kevin, take it away. Teacher's pick. All right. Thanks, Rob. I'm starting to feel like Oprah with her book club recommendations. But um, <laughs> the two podcasts ago, uh, our daughter, Brooke, had given me a book um, about the uncensored MTV, the whole story about MTV and how it got started. Then she gave me another one on the VJs. And then about two weeks ago, my neighbor said, I have a late birthday gift for you. And when I went over to see him, he gave me a book that's called Surely You Can't Be Serious, The True Story of Airplane. (laughs) And it's sitting down with Zucker, Abrams, and Zucker and walking through from their childhood and how they like to make fun of movies, kind of like Mystery Science Theater. And from that, they started a theater group. They moved to L.A. to like pursue their dream, did the Kentucky Fried movie, and then hit it big with this movie Airplane. And there's all of these comments from comedians and other directors that said, I would have never gotten into this line of work if it wasn't for the Airplane movie. So it was a really fun read. I finished up in less than a week because it was hard to put down. But um, uh, yeah, that's that was my 80s moment, kind of reliving that whole Airplane, getting some of the inside scoop was pretty cool but hold on you you get a book and you you read it 
Yeah, <laughs> can you believe that? I know. I don't look like someone that would read. You know, that is so so <laughs> yeah. weird. Kevin, give us one. It has pictures too. So that helps. Okay, that helps. Yeah, it helps me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kevin, give us one fun fact about the movie that we would only know if we read the book. I didn't know who had tried out for uh, the part of Elaine, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. The the main, uh, the stewardess who's like the love interest in it. Shelley Long was in a running for it. And she thought she was going to get it. Um, and she was kind of surprised when she didn't. The other person that was in the running for it was Sigourney Weaver. And when she walked into audition, she's like, I'm not going to do this line right here. That I can't say which line it was, but there's a particular line that she said, I'm not going to do. And they're like, okay, good to know. And so, but they said when, when Julie Haggerty walked in, they're like, she's, she's got it. Like, that's it. You know, she was um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Another thing that was interesting when they do the scene where, the lady's hysterical and everybody's, you know, someone's shaking her. And then the doctor walks up, Leslie Nielsen, he, he starts to shake her. And then he slaps her across the face. The The actress said, no, slap me, actually slap me. So he did. And that was like, that was cool. But then he slapped her a second time, which is kind of just, that's him, just like on the spur of the moment. He thought, mm, she, I need a second slap. Slap, slapped across the face a second time. And uh, he just said it felt like that was the thing to do, you know? So, it was very funny. Like, you remember a movie called Kentucky Fried Movie? That was by yeah. these guys, yes. uh, late 70s. They named it that because they were in a restaurant. They were either in a Kentucky Fried Chicken or they were in a restaurant and they could see the KFC. Um, like marquee outside where they were and like oh let's call our theater the kentucky fried theater so that's the theater they started with and then when they broke into the movie business their first movie was the kentucky fried movie because they were the kentucky fried theater which are a bunch of like short clips that they were doing um so yeah it was it there's a lot of fascinating stuff in there it was, it was a really fun read so nice hmm. debbie yours came to um, you you had an epiphany today i understand I did. Um, it is the 80s style playground merry-go-rounds. And so they date back to the 70s when I first was on them and into the 80s. And every time I open Instagram, I swear Instagram knows me there. They figured me out. It's usually an 80s video that someone's posted and they put this great 80s rock music to it. Kids holding on to the rail of the merry-go-round going as fast as they can, feet yeah. flying out behind them. And I just remember how many puddles my feet went through going on the merry-go-round that way, Absolutely. Uh, how many times I fell down, how you try to stand in the middle and walk the opposite direction that the merry-go-round was going, <laughs> so you stayed in one place. And then this morning when I opened it up, it was a current day video, and it was someone probably about our age that decided he was going to try the merry-go-round again, puts the cell oh. phone on the ground, oh, jumps boy. on the merry-go-round, and it was just a little crooked to start with, and his weight made the merry-go-round go faster and faster and faster. <laughs> Couldn't get off. I mean, was almost green by the time he got the thing stopped. But it took me back to those days and how much fun the playgrounds were and just hopping on those merry-go-rounds that we hardly see anymore because they're not safe enough. Now, when you say merry-go-rounds, are you talking about the the, the the metal thing that you would just shove yes. my hand? Turn, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes, and run now, as have, fast as you can. Yeah. Have you ever seen anybody break a bone on that? I have. No, I'm assuming you have. Was it you? Oh, oh, yeah. The recess. Yeah. Was it you? No, it was not me. It okay. wasn't. I want to say it was Matt Bradley, but I'm not 100 positive. But yeah, we had a dude, <laughs> probably like third grade, fourth grade. 
flood right off that puppy and uh, broken arm. It's pretty cool. Ooh. That's cool. See a squad come <laughs> in elementary. That's great. Well, see, sometimes you get the role of the turner because like, you know, some kids will be on it. Yeah. And then you got, I get two or three other kids that are on the outside of it, oh, spinning it, spinning it. Fast as you can go. And, and then that kid will want to jump on. Well, one time yeah. I did that, but I didn't grab the bar just right. And like my the whole left side of my face is just oh, that's rug rashed. It was awful. Oh, it healed pretty quick, but uh, man, painful days, painful days. Good stuff. I mean, and now they put like mulch those. around all that kind of stuff. But back then it was just blacktop. If you went off of it, you just hit in blacktop. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, it toughened us up mud. as kids. <laughs> it did. So that it that did. I learned in the seventies. Well, I learned how to be tough in the seventies. And right next to yeah. our our merry-go-round, we had just concrete tunnels. We had like five concrete tunnels positioned at different angles, and that was part of our playground. So you, you would you would jump up on a tunnel, which is probably maybe four foot tall and then you just jump from tunnel to tunnel on i mean you know very not safe no very very, very not safe very what are we gonna put on this playground how about some concrete how about yeah. just big the hard stuff yeah. see, not that <laughs> small stuff that gives a little they, the hard stuff yeah they, we've got that we rubber, want asphalt they got rubber mulch now yeah <laughs> so that's why just, these kids are all pandered we're to jumping these on concrete tunnels you know diana was just talking about that old ymca slide that they used to have oh, where, oh yeah, yeah the big daddy the big daddy so yeah. if you if it you had like, in columbus ohio oh, there is a park called the hoover ymca park hoover in like park yeah every church in the area had their church picnics there and this thing was about 40 feet tall and mm -hmm. had bumps on it It was like a, a, a slide on the playground but it was it was super long and if you like get some wax paper under your there bottom you like you can like and it has hills That's like three you, you'll three get some air like you will go hair yeah you would come off board. of it and as you're going down this hill to the left and to the right rocks big like rocks. boulders <laughs> they rock pointed rock. jagged and there was one time i don't know if it's urban legend or not but i heard that a kid died because he took his bike down that hill oh. and and met the rocks wow. firsthand i don't know if we can confirm that or not so any of you south side people out there you got that info we well that's the, the big big dad that was just, that was just the best it was that best. slide was the best yes it was so matt what, what's your 80s uh my, mine would be from the uh it was a couple about weekend well trick-or-treat night trick okay. uh right before that we was uh watching a little uh lost boys oh yeah, yeah so that yeah. came on mm -hmm. and, and, and it was just I, I watched it and like my, my daughter Grace comes in caught like the last like the last hour of it. It was just kind of, you know, just breaking her into the whole the whole vampire. I mean, yeah. that, that was a great movie, man. Yes, it was. Good that soundtrack, was too. Excellent movie. Mm -hmm. Excellent soundtrack. Mm. Terrible acting, but such such a good movie. <laughs> I really I was digging it. I was wow. digging it a lot. So nice. yeah, and so and, and actually then it came on again like like a day later. So it was just, it was just kind of, uh, you know, telling Grace about this is, this is how it is. This is how you learn, you know, about vampires. vampires. Yeah. You, the you Frog watch. Brothers will tell you all you the need frog, to know. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that's right. I mean, like it? everybody in that movie. What'd you say, Kevin? Did she like it? Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and her friend down the street, Hope, was there watching. I mean, yeah, they were all into it. It was, uh, 
It was very educational. <laughs> it was very good. Nice. Mm-hmm. The Frog Brothers. Yes. It was great. Snowball. Yes. <laughs> right now is my 80s rewind moment. <laughs> In the 80s, we didn't have, you know, a website where our parents could go and see what our homework assignment is and remind us that, hey, Matt, you need to come inside and do your homework. Where, you know, it, it, I should have had Rob contact me today. Go, hey, Mike, make sure you have your 80s rewind moment. But no, I show up to school, <laughs> show up to the podcast. I'm not prepared. I'm going to fail tonight. Wow. You know, you know, if you weren't sitting there hand weaving your ankle bracelets, you probably could have come up with an 80s rewind moment yeah. all on your own. <laughs> About responsibility, Mike. Mike, I'm going to be honest. I'm a, little, I'm a little disappointed. I'm a little disappointed. Yeah, Matt was super prepared. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yes. At least it wasn't the space program this week. Good job, Matt. There yeah. it is. There it is. <laughs> so for my 80s Rewind moment, uh, it, it's kind of a good news thing. And Debbie, I don't know if you've heard this or not, but uh, if you if you have followed the story at all, Andy Taylor, the guitarist for Duran Duran, uh, was diagnosed with stage four prostate cancer, and they gave him just a very little bit of time to to um, to live. He had to miss the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. I mean, he was very bad off. But uh, I, I found an article today. I was just happened to be thinking about him, like, hey, has he passed away yet? Because I hadn't heard anything. But apparently, he's doing a lot better. Uh, he's been hmm. doing some experimental really? treatments that are completely legal and seems to be doing better. He played on Duran Duran's latest album, as well as he's also Which made is good. a solo album. So wow. that should be coming out soon, too. Wow. So our uh, thoughts and prayers go to him. Uh, it'd be nice to keep him around a few more years. So if Andy's listening, take it easy, Andy. Okay. Look at you, Snowball. And their new album is good. Their new album is good. I have it. And of course they you redid, have <laughs> Yeah, they redid Secret October and Night Boat on it. Ooh, and both are very good. The first time I played it, my husband walked into the room and we're both listening to it. And I said, wow, it sounds really dark and their voices sound really different. And then it dawned on me that even though it's the normal size vinyl. It's supposed to be played at 45, not 33 and a third. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's great. Once I fixed that, it sounded a lot more like Duran Duran. <laughs> oh, wow. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, I heard one song on it, but that's all I heard. And I thought it was pretty good. I have mm-hmm. meant to go listen to the whole thing, but I just haven't haven't done it yet. All right. So uh, that was it for our 80s Rewind Moments. Thank you, everyone. And Snowball. Very good. Very good. (laughs) We're going to take a break here and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about everything I need to know I learned in the 80s. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Shall we play a game? Hi, I'm Joel McLaughlin, the most excellent host of Living in the Retro Arcade. If you're into video games from the 70s to current day, this is the show for you. We'll talk about technical aspects of the games as well as memories, the best that we can remember them. That's Living in the Retro Arcade, available on all popular podcast platforms.
Welcome back to Living in the 80s. As promised, we are going to talk about everything I need to know I learned in the 1980s. So there was a book that came out several years ago called Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Uh, I would argue that. We learned a lot of stuff post-kindergarten. And uh, Kevin is actually going to lead our conversation tonight because this was his brainchild. And he did a lot of extensive homework to help prompt our conversation tonight. So, Kevin, why don't you just go ahead and take it away? Yeah, when I looked at the list of things that everything I need to know I learned in kindergarten were things like share and don't hit people and put things back where you found them and say, I'm sorry. I'm like, and those are all great things. But I needed to know a lot more about life than that to get through. And I came up with eight, and I'm sure some other people have some others. Um, but the first one is what I learned in the 80s are that drugs are bad. In a situation without enough time for contemplation, all of your friends go in the same way. You feel kind of trapped. You don't know what to say. Just say no. Cause better safe than sorry. This is for real. This ain't no game or folly. It's your life and you only got one. So you better do it right or it will soon be done. Of course, we know Elvis died late 70s. Um, I didn't understand at the time that he maybe had died from drugs. I, I was only, I think I was coming up on 10 years old when he passed away. So I didn't really understand it, but it kind of became more evident to me when the 80s started, like with John Belushi dying and Bon Scott and, and John Bonham. So we had these people that we we're seeing die you know it's like acdc came out with this new album called back in black and it's like oh this is a new album with a new singer because the other one died from from drugs or, or from alcohol or whatever it was and in the early 80s as i get into middle school uh, i start to see kids smoking in the bathroom that was like a new exposure like I, you know i didn't see that in elementary school and so so i'm kind of getting exposed to things that i hadn't been exposed to up to that point and i'm i'm sure some of you went through some similar moments you know in the early 80s or throughout the 80s well if you're if you recall um the the one big thing you know drugs are bad we were taught to just say no i mean mm -hmm. uh, nancy reagan coined the phrase from some kid that did a thing and we talked about it a couple months ago on the podcast but we, we were taught that right um talking about people smoking in the bathroom like i remember at school and uh and not to mm, be down on people or to be judgy or critical or whatever, but it seemed like kids were like smoking a lot of weed, <laughs> like a lot. Uh, if you go to a concert, probably get a secondhand buzz. I remember at my bus stop, uh, it was in front of this house and like three or four kids would go like it's an inclined driveway. So by the garage door, they would hang out there and smoke pot. And like, that was my first exposure to that. I thought, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm like a freshman in high school. And these are like, I don't know, sophomores and juniors, older kids than me. I wouldn't dare, you know, like look at them sideways, <laughs> but like people would like glorify drugs and, and things like that. And you're talking about, you hear about people doing mushrooms and, you know, acid and things like this. And it, and the, the non-judgy part is those kids usually weren't of the best reputation, an unsavory element, if you will. Yeah. So that was a good lesson to me. I wouldn't end up like these kids 
if I even tried to smoke a joint. <laughs> well, I always thought it was kind of funny that drugs are bad, you know, just say no. But yet when you go to, uh, you know, like the fair or, or you go to anything, any game that you played in the 80s, you could win like those roach clip with the feathers, like attached yeah. to a mirror. <laughs> that was pretty crazy. I'm like, wait a minute, they're just giving us these roach clips. And it was just uh I was naive enough that I thought they there. were just for hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I thought they it were for, nice. I saw girls wearing their hair like uh, Phoebe Cates did in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. She wore one. And I remember people hanging from the mirror, like you said. Yeah. I didn't know what they were for, which I'm kind of glad that I was that naive that I didn't know. Later on, I found out and went, oh, okay. Oh, gotcha. I passed a um, a joint in my typing class. Could have gotten caught. Didn't know I was passing it. What did you um, think you were passing, Debbie? Wait, wait, wait. You got to explain more here. <laughs> a note. A kid on one side of me, typing class. So a bunch of different people in this class. The kid on one side. Well, let's, let's the guy on one for, side of me. Let's stop there for a second. Typing class. That's 80s yeah, right they there. Don't yeah. have those anymore. You yes. know you're typing living class. in the 80s if you remember typing class. I was typing one, two, three, and four. And I used that when I was an admin when I was in college. It was awesome. So, and I took shorthand too. So I did that in college too, oh, or in high school. How did that but work out kid, for you? <laughs> um, I actually used it when I was in college at one of the companies I worked for over the summer. I was not nice. very good, but I could do it. Oh, wow. um, I was sitting next to a guy in my typing class and he kind of liked the girl next to me. So they were always passing notes. So they would always go across me. And so he hands me a note to hand to her. I hand it to her. She opens it up and a joint falls off mm. out of it onto her lap. And mm. I thought, what had I, what if I had gotten caught passing that? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, here's the, here's the thing that I, I would like to know. Like you obviously can't blaze up in class. Why did he have to pass it then? And he couldn't just slip it to her after class here. You need this right now. Here's this letter with a joint in it. <laughs> Maybe I was being framed. I don't know. And the teacher didn't happen to look at the right time. I don't well, know. Debbie, I mean, we know you. We know you're a good girl. So yeah. you're probably, they probably all thought you were a narc anyway. Too yeah, probably so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. They probably did it just to say, hey, Debbie held a joint. That was probably, they know right. probably the only way it would ever happen. <laughs> Debbie does drugs. I saw her with a joint in typing class. Right. Yeah. That's right. I got drug tested more than anybody in college when I was on the uh, track or cross country team, or as Kevin would say, the field team. Oh, wow. <laughs> how could, how could one man Why be so slow? So He's doing downers. <laughs> 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 yep, bring me in. You know, of course, you just go to the bathroom right before practice. So when you get there, hey, we need you to go over and see the trainer. We need a, a sample. <laughs> oh, great. So you sit there for 45 minutes drinking water while everybody else is running but yeah that's my drug history i have a perfect test record thank you good good Good, good job good thing you studied hard way to go there were a couple songs in the 80s that talked about drugs too one well 18 of life was based on some friends who had gotten together and got high on acid and one of them shot one of their friends while they were high Mm. Um, or, or yeah. they were tripping or whatever. Yeah. And then when the police come to get their, their side of the story, they were like, it's, it's really hard to remember because, you know, we were tripping so bad that we, we can't remember the details. And that's kind of what that song is, is based on is the, the whole 18 in life. You're 18 years old. You got your life in front of you, but you're also getting 18 and you're getting life imprisonment. imprisonment. So 
That's kind of what that song was talking about. And then there's another song, if you recall, called I Want a New Drug. And that was a little bit controversial at the time because like, oh, you, you shouldn't be saying you want drugs. But Huey Lewis was like, no, this is a love song. It's like it's it's all about I want a drug that makes me feel the way I feel when I'm with you. So I can have that feeling all the time. So um, a little bit of controversy at the time. But that yeah, Huey, yeah. he's just pushing the envelope, baby. He was. He no was doubt. an envelope pusher. He, him and Ozzy Osbourne both. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then there's White Horse by Laid Back. Mm. Which is a is great that what song. about? I love that. Song. Yeah, it's about it's about cocaine, the white yeah. horse. It's a cautionary tale. I always thought it was promoting drug use because I didn't listen to the words close enough. But when today I looked up the lyrics, it's actually cautioning against the dr- use of drugs. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, cocaine. Was, a couple movies that that talked about drugs. One in particular is Less Than Zero, oh, Robert yeah. Downey Jr. And you think at the end he's going to get his life together, right? And, but that's not what happens. And it's kind of it's kind of like a shocking end. It's like, oh, my goodness, like um, this could end up being a bad thing, you know. Uh, and then Michael J. Fox is in a movie called Bright Lights, Big City, where he goes off to the big city and he starts getting into cocaine. And then, of course, we all remember every Cheech and Chong movie. It's like, who wants to turn out like these guys? <laughs> They're constantly rolling Up the largest smoke and roll. ice dreams and oh, there's a few of them. So... The thing we learned is that drugs are bad. Yeah. And we should just say no. Okay. That was, that's a that's great what Nancy would want us to do. It is. It is. Life lessons so, here living in the 80s. So this next one might be a little bit controversial, but based on my experience growing up and where I am now, I'm going to say that money buys happiness. Wow. I, I know people always said money doesn't buy happiness, but I disagree. It yeah. makes life a whole lot easier. Oh, it sure <laughs> does. Yes, it does. The 80s were all about the decade of excess. We'd come out of the 70s. Inflation was high. Gas prices really high. Didn't really affect me. I was a kid. But as the 80s started, economy started to turn. Technology, I mean, my goodness, the rise of the computer. That How many of us were affected by computers, right? We, we all work with computers now, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Before that... 80s that was not a thing so it made all of our lives better I, I think of like hans gruber who wanted that money so bad and diehard right he was willing to kill for it and he he was so close to getting it you remember how sad he was when he didn't get it he's, he's falling out of the building it's like he was so close was he sad because he didn't get the money or he's sad because he was gonna fall 40 stories <laughs> uh, maybe a combination of both yeah i think <laughs> a little bit of both. both yeah and even the movie Wall Street, this is kind of interesting, is, is when that came out and the big speech is given, greed is good. That was supposed to be said in a way that was like people are supposed to look at it negatively, like this guy's greedy. But a lot of people came away going, no, oh, he's, he's right. Greed is good. <laughs> it's like it's, great. Uh, it, it's not bad to have money. And it, that was kind of like the 80s mantra. Right. It's like let's let's make as much money as possible. It was in we heard it in songs like opportunities by the Pet Shop Boys, where it's like. Hey, I've got an idea. Let's let's we, let's make lots of money. You know, um, how to be a millionaire by ABC was you know it, it was it, there was like there was a definite focus on making money in the eighties, and I personally think that wasn't a bad message. Excess, I can understand it, but to me, I didn't have a problem with it. Make more money, you can do more things. So a couple. Yeah, that's where we learned that, the term yuppie. A couple of things I wrote down here, notes wise, in some of the movies. Uh, Secret of My Success 
Uh, Michael J. Fox is trying to climb the corporate ladder. It's a comedy, but it it it's it was mm-hmm. fun seeing all the lengths he had to go to to attain that job and position. Michael J. Fox on Family Ties. That was his his constant goal of making it big someday. You know, moving away and, and yes, Alex Keaton was very bent on making yeah. money. There you go, Alex P. Keaton. Yep. That's right. And mm-hmm. and let's be honest, almost every parent in every John Hughes movie was loaded. I mean, look at Ferris Bueller's mm-hmm. parents. They made some bank. Mm-hmm. And then did you see Cameron's house? Well, the car. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. And his dad's car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, pretty in pink. Even though uh, Andy and Ducky weren't rich, they were going to these. They were very rich kids in the in the thing the the cars that were pulling up in breakfast club bmws and and stuff some kind of wonderful it was all around money and status and how this how amanda jones was caught up in all the status and she forgot who she was so yeah lots of uh lots of money cocktail Uh, was another one oh you had to be successful in business to be happy brian flanagan kept that um, self-help book behind the bar at all times and worked his way up. Yes. So, but in the end, they learned that success wasn't always everything in that one. Yeah. Because his business partner offed himself when things didn't work out quite right. And hey, if you're a, a regular contributor or fan of the Living in the 80s Facebook page, we've highlighted a song from Cocktail, his song of the day last week. What about you guys? You know, we've I've kind of chatted a little bit, Matt. Got any? Well, I was looking at Mike. Mike's getting ready to say something. I didn't want to jump in. Mike looked real excited to say something. Go ahead, Mike. What do you got there for us? Oh, I really know. Um, but kind of looking at it, did it affect anybody's career decision? I kind of always thought, really, I should have been a teacher, an art teacher. Um, but I would look at the teachers and be like, man, these guys don't make any money. So I totally avoided that route. Yes. I know, Matt, I know you chased the money down the pastoral. Yeah, well, that's, I was pushing a prosperity with theology. (laughs) Were you okay? You were the next Jim Baker. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, that's a good point to bring up. You you look at the the Jim Baker uh, and the whole Heritage USA and all, all the church uh, scandals that happened in the 80s. We watched those things firsthand. A lot of those guys were, you know, church took a, a, a black eye, a, a big, you know, a, a big shiner there with some of these these evangelists that seemed to be taking, you know, uh, monies from like, you know, security, uh, social security checks from these grandmas and just so we can build that next uh, water slide and all this kind of stuff. It just... Uh, it, it the church around money and the pursuit of money, at least for some of the guys, the other gold throne dog houses and toilets and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, they, they really they, they really hurt the church a lot, I think, you know, at least the perception, because a lot of people thought they were just after the money you know, because they, they thought that money, you know, although Kevin's a very smart guy, money does not buy happiness. But but it's you know and but that's what that church kind of made the scene too as well. So it didn't help the cause at all. So. I would say that money can help buy happiness, but it certainly cannot buy joy. Was it in uh, say any? What did Lloyd Dobler, Lloyd Dobler say? I don't want to sell anything, buy anything, or process anything as a career. 
I don't want to sell anything bought or processed or buy anything sold or processed or process anything sold, bought or processed or repair anything sold, bought or processed. You know, as a career, I don't want to do that. So thank you, Lloyd Dobler, for those words of wisdom. So, Matt, I think I, I think you might have a point. Money can buy happiness, but you have to be careful with it. So I, you're right. The, the preachers, they let greed get in the way of, I think, their initial vision and it kind of ruined them. So um, it can buy happiness, but you've got to be careful with it for sure. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And, and greed was a, it was one of the undercurrents of the eighties. I mean, you know, it's, we always been called the me generation and, and it's what makes me happy is, is a lot of the undertow of all things eighties. And so when you throw money into it, yeah, yeah. I, I think greed was, it was a factor for sure. So the next one, I don't know how Deborah feels about this, but this was certainly a, a something I learned in the 80s, any girl is attainable. Tell her about it. Tell her everything you feel. Give her every reason to accept that you're for real. Oh boy. I saw this time and again in movies. Guys that should not have any business being with certain girls. And it made me think, maybe if I have enough game or a big enough scheme I can land anybody. Um, let's run down a few of them. Farmer Ted um, ends up with Jake Ryan's girlfriend in 16 Candles, right? He didn't even have a name in the movie. He was just known as the geek in the credits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to a lesser extent, Nicolas Cage lands Deborah Foreman in Valley Girl. Wait, uh, hold on. Let, let's pause that for just a second. So Deborah Foreman was adorable in Valley Girl. Nicolas Cage had like those that frosted tips and them teeth mm-hmm. before he got his teeth fixed. He looked like the old Woody Woodpecker in the forties. <laughs> the teeth are just a mess. <laughs> and it's funny. I, I may be maybe unpopular opinion. I don't know, but I, I like Nicholas Cage. I like a lot of his movies, but he oh, yeah. was struggling. And his voice was weird back then too. Yeah, it was. I don't know, yeah. I don't know what he was it doing. Was. So anyhow, sorry, Kevin, continue. Probably the most appropriate one right now, Ronald Miller. And can't buy me love. He's the lawnmower guy. He ends up with a rich princess, Cindy Mancini, just because he was able to. He had a scheme, right? I'll I'll buy you this this jacket of your mom's that you ruined if you pretend to be my girlfriend. Ends up working out for him. And here's the thing, ladies: take a chance on us losers, because forty years from now we might be voted sexiest man alive. That's right. <laughs> one one day we're driving a lawnmower and, and you're you know cutting grass. Next day we're McDreamy. You know, <laughs> we're on the cover of People magazine. Yeah. Yes. Good for him. The difference between McDreamy and a loser is one time he's a lawnmower guy, the other time he's a doctor. See, That's again, true. money buys happiness, man. All of a sudden, <laughs> you can land the girls. Dresses just a little nicer, drives a little nicer car. Yep. All of a sudden, now this one could be controversial, but uh, Lloyd Dobler ends up with Diane Court and say anything. Well, definitely in the social circle, there are social circles. He definitely crossed over and moved up there. Maybe not looks as much, not judging John Cusack. My wife thinks he's adorable, but he's no Mike Moore. That's what she'd say. That's what I was (laughs) going to say. Social circles, he definitely moved up. This This one for sure is. I mean, even when I watch this, I'm like, yeah, this is a bit of a stretch. But in Revenge of the Nerds, 
Louis Skolnick ends up with the cheerleader, Betty Childs? Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> Even I was like, that's a bit of a stretch. And yeah, I think which one of these angles did you use, Kevin? Which angle did I use? Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm going to ask you the same thing. You said you needed it as a scheme or a plan. So what was it? Sailor so, hat. Well, sailor hat was huge. So <laughs> my wear the scheme, worst outfit possible and be noticed? Or <laughs> My scheme was this. I knew I couldn't date anybody from high school. They all knew me too well, right? So I had to go somewhere else, church. Okay. I had to find someone that was new to church that didn't know my background, that I was a loser. And then <laughs> I had to work my way in. I had to work my magic, win her over. And, and that's part of the reason she's four years younger than me. So I was able to manipulate her because she was younger, right? Um, wow. Um, wow. Our, our first date, double date, I called her up and said, hey, the three of us are going out. Do you want to tag along? That's kind of like the way I approached it. I didn't say do you want to go on a double date. I had to slow play it and kind of win her over because I knew she knew the real me. She would like be, no, thanks. So it's it's worked out. I mean, we've been married for 30 years. We dated for five. I'm hoping when she listens to this podcast, it doesn't suddenly click. Oh, he is a loser <laughs> and she leaves me. But, <laughs> fingers crossed. So I'm, I'm putting it out there. I'm, uh, but, you know, for, for me, like in high school, there was no way I could end up with a girl that was a cheerleader, right? And I met Diana and I, I got to know her. And it was after several months that we had been talking and she was very shy. When she said she was a cheerleader, I'm like, really like she's too quiet and and sure enough she was a cheerleader for for the football team and she would do backflips when the guys were running onto the field i'm like oh my goodness like i'm with a gymnast and a cheerleader like this is like a dream come true and then her <laughs> senior year she was voted most athletic i'm like oh my goodness i'm with an athletic girl who's a cheerleader like something's wrong here and and snowball you know something's wrong right doesn't make any sense <laughs> but but hey i'm not complaining <laughs> yep. Hold on, Kevin. Let, let me let me back you up just a little bit here. Okay. I will defend you just for a moment. I knew you back in elementary school. I remember <laughs> young Kevin. So here's what happens. Did you not go to the same elementary school and middle school and high school with the same kids? Yes. Yeah. So what I think what happens is like you and you come from a small town. So those mm -hmm. people kind of just see you as maybe that same awkward whatever kid but in high school i don't i don't think you were particularly nerdy i just think that you had fallen into this this social rut maybe this this social place that there was no escaping now if tom and sharon turned you to another town <laughs> and you met you know other people fell in the right circle you could have done a ronald miller dude like you could have been that guy I, I think you so. If you'd gone into the witness protection program, Kevin, just imagine. Yeah. We're kind of like hiding out. John <laughs> Cryer, he you know goes undercover. You could have done that. Well, you kind of did that with Diana because you're like way older. <laughs> you go into yeah. yeah. You go to the high school and you meet a girl, and fall in love. Rob, so, is your motto "Many girls are attainable"? Yes. Many girls are attainable. <laughs> they sure are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I've got a couple of things here about any girl being a, attainable. Uh, in Weird Science, Gary and Wyatt created mm. Lisa. Yes. And they end up with Deb and Hilly. Yes. Yes. And Hilly, the dark-haired one, oh, my. Mm -hmm. I think she was hotter than both of them. But if these two geeks can get somebody, Kevin, there's hope. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Yeah, Weird Science is a great, great oh, it reference is. for that. It yeah. is. Mm -hmm. And going back to John Kuzak, who 
I don't think he's a particularly ugly guy, but a lot like Adam Sandler, he ends up in these movies with girls that they're out of his league. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because he, he's been in movies with Drew Barrymore and Jennifer Aniston. Stella Hayek. Yeah. yeah, it's like, come on, dude. Dude. Yeah. yeah. So uh, in uh, Better Off Dead, he ends up with Beth and Simone. Mm. So, you know, both out of his league. Yeah. And in One Crazy Summer, he's with Demi Moore. In mm-hmm. what reality? Do we think that this dude's yeah. going to land that girl? That's true. That yeah, true. So, yeah, there's hope. And probably the most offensive to me, personally, is how Tom Cruise can end up with Elizabeth Shue in Cocktail. Oh, boy. He oh, boy. is yeah. a dog. She is one of the hottest women alive. There it is. She's and an angel. Don't even get me started on Ralph Macchio and Karate Kid with Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's <laughs> no way Miami and Allie are getting together. Yeah, that's that's not happening. So, yeah, that's my contribution. That's very good. Very good. I had thought of John Bender ending up with Claire kind of in mm. Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. kind of taking it from a girl's point of view. In my world, it was the nerdy or common girl that ended up getting kind of the cool guy. So you had, again, in Breakfast Club, Allison, who ended up with Andrew the Jock. And then in 16 Candles and Pretty in Pink, you had kind of the more common girl that ended up with the guy that was considered to be hotter Mm -hmm. and more socially adept. So any, well, let's be honest, girls, about any guy should be attainable for you. Because, you know, we're men, we're Neanderthals. (laughs) If we get attention our way, we're going to stop and freeze. All right, this next one, this one's very important. You need to grow your circle of friends. If you go through life hanging out with people exactly like you, although I'm going to say hanging out with all of you we all have this interest in the 80s. Nothing wrong with that. But if all of your friends have the exact same interests, your life's going to be kind of boring. And it's good to kind of expand your your viewpoints. You know, having friends that um, maybe have different religious beliefs or political beliefs. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of situations in the last few years where people are, you know, not becoming they're ruining friendships over politics or whatever. It's like, no, it's, it's good to hear different viewpoints, even if you don't agree with it. So let me give you a couple of examples uh, from the eighties where people were different. Uh, you got Marty McFly and doc Brown, right? They were friends. And that's kind of an intergenerational friendship where you've got a high schooler with doc. I'm not really sure how old doc's supposed to be. He looks like he's about 70, but maybe he's in his forties or fifties. I'm not sure. Um, you got Mr. Miyagi and Danielson and the Karate Kid, another intergenerational relationship. If you think of uh, like Stevie Wonder and Paul McCartney doing the Ebony and Ivory song and, and you know, it's, it's bringing black and white together and that's perfect harmony. That, that was a good message there. Um, even in Breakfast Club, which was just mentioned a minute ago. Those are people from all different social circles, but you, you've got the jock, you've got um, the the brain, you've got the, the princess, all, bringing all those people together to find something that you have in common or to c- come up with common beliefs, but 
also getting different viewpoints. Viewpoints. These are all good things. So, uh, growing your circle of friends incredibly important. So Kevin, I, I like one of your notes here. You had um, you had uh, the Run DMC and Aerosmith collaboration there. Run DMC was a to most of us. Mo- I, I would say like the mainstream audience didn't know who Run DMC was. If you said Run DMC, you'd say, "Well, they're a rapper. I don't know any songs by them." Or if you say, "Who who's Aerosmith?" Oh, they're a '70s band, sex, drugs, rock and roll, the whole thing. These two come together, created a new form of music, marrying rock, rock and rap together. Not only did it create a whole new genre, but these guys become friends. Like the complete opposite ends of the musical universe become friends and to create something new. So like Kevin mentioned before, it doesn't matter. Find people that don't maybe necessarily look at life the way you do and kind of drag them into your circle and expand who you are a little bit, like in the Breakfast Club. Well, and and also uh, something else that I saw in your notes, Kevin, and I'm going to. I'm going to go ahead and bring it up because I know if you was to bring it up, it could stir up a lot of emotions. Come back again. And it could get, it could just take a turn, you know, for you emotionally. Um, But when you're talking about looking out, but outside your circles, you look no further than Elliot and E.T. Now that that is that is definitely, you know, the the friendship that those two shared. It was what's uh, just choking me up. It's, it was powerful. I, I said I wasn't gonna cry. I said I wasn't gonna cry. Boom. <laughs> You know, there's not enough interplanetary friendships out there. There really there's, isn't more. There's not. There, there, there really isn't. And I think what, what what Elliot did when he reached out and just loved that little terrestrial. I mean, it just, um, it just, it did a lot for all of us. It really did. And he broke down some walls. He broke down some walls. I see your the way you feel your affinity towards uh kevin i know it i feel it i'm I'm there with you buddy i'm there i with appreciate you. it man I, <laughs> I, lo- I love i love you kevin i love you man love you too buddy <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of extraterrestrials and uh human relationships it opened doors for willie and alf on the show alf that's a good one you know it, it really did it really did it did that, that's that's growing your circle of friends, buddy, right there. And, you know, I feel like in Meatballs 2, there was an alien involved in that, too. Look it up. Was an illegal <laughs> alien or an actual alien? <laughs> uh, that's good. Yeah. I grew up in the country, so I was pretty much around white people. Let's just say it. I, I Everyone I went really? to school with was white, and and most of those white people were hillbillies. Were you voted the most white of the white people? Was I? Yes. Yeah, I had more soul than most of them. I knew a lot of those kids. Yeah. Um, yeah, the area I grew up in, which is a word I can't pronounce, but it was in a rural area. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't roll off the rural. tongue real easy, does it? <laughs> it does not. So I started Nationwide halfway through the 80s. And the first two people that were very accepting of me 
were two black guys I met, Kurt and Sam. And these were guys I started running around with. And, and you know, I got introduced to new music, which is Mike, who I know about some rap songs that we're going to talk about here in a coming podcast. Um, they took me to places I'd never been. At the same time, they came to church with me some. So growing my circle of friends versus what I'd always been around growing up was really good for me. They gave me a nickname that some people to this day don't know my actual name. They just go by this nickname. What is and it? What is it? Yeah, what is that nickname? Bones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, when I started Nationwide, I think I was 120 pounds. And... Uh, <laughs> So I was really, really skinny and they gave me the name Bones and and we all worked in a mailroom together. Kurt is still at Nationwide. He's like the head of security now. But when he sees me, he's, hey, Bones. I mean, it's like uh, I still, you know, converse <laughs> with Sam. So I've kept in touch with these guys for almost 40 years. And and uh, like I said, they were the first ones to accept me. They were different than everyone else I was hanging out with at that time. But uh, they've, they've had a major impact in my life over the year. So. It's, it's good to grow that circle of friends. Speaking of which, um, I, I was very blessed like during during the 80s, during the whole decade. When 1980 started, I was in the eighth grade. When 1989 ended, I was married with uh, with a daughter. So like many friends that came in and out of my life, you know, some were uh, short periods of time. Some of them like Matt and Kevin, like we've been friends for, we've stayed friends for years. So, I mean, I just want to mention David, Art, Jim, Kevin, Matt, John, Paul, Keith, Tim, uh, Jim, Ron, Mike, another Jim, John, Kevin, Ed, Mike, another Kevin. So they're, they're like these people that have been in my life, either short-term or long-term, that you know maybe didn't look like me, maybe didn't act like me, different interests. But for whatever reason, we become friends. And it, it's good to have that broad spectrum of friends. I had a friend recently said, you know, you've got like 2,000 some Facebook friends. And, and like, how many of those do you actually know? I said, pretty much about all of them. There may be a few that are just kind of acquaintances. But many of those people, whether they were, you know, through through church or school or places I've worked, uh just these people that that I I like staying in contact and like keeping you know people in my life. Uh, not that I'm collecting friends on Facebook, but uh, I, I do like meeting people. I like I like being in relationship with people. I like being able to like have conversations. One guy that big fan of the podcast, and he was on here a couple of months ago. Lynn, he's become a friend, and uh, you know he'll send me texts and dad jokes and things all the time. It's a new friend I just met in the last year. You guys are on my circle. There it is. Love you guys. There it You're is. Awesome. Glad to be in it. And we learned this from the '80s influence. Yeah, we all we all wanted to be in Saturday detention, and we all wanted to get to know people that didn't think like us. Dag on it. Some of us lived it out. There it is. Boom. There it is. The next one. This is important to us. I mean, I learned it in the '80s, but it's just as important to us today as it was back then. We need to take time to relax. Relax, don't you rest when you want to go to rest. Relax, don't you rest when you want to come home. Relax, don't you rest. We are always on the go, but we need to take that time to slow down, meditate, 
and just recharge ourselves. If you think about Ferris Bueller, he was in this pattern of constantly go, go, go. He decides, you know what? I need a break from school. And what a great day he had, right? Uh, maybe not a relaxing day. He did a lot that day, but he got out of the norm and had a chance to kind of uh, do something that was more relaxing than your typical day of going to school. And then we all remember what a relaxing vacation the Griswolds had when they went across the country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That turned out great. But what, what wasn't there the, the t-shirt relax or, you know, is that Frankie, the, the Frankie, Frankie, Frankie says relax. relax. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, Frankie trying to tell us to relax. That was on so many t-shirts. I mean, that was just, you know, everywhere you look, you saw that t-shirt. Frankie but, taught us delayed gratification. You know, because when we grew up, you know, everything wasn't on demand. You know, you had to wait a week. You had to wait, you know, through the summer. And not everything was there. So Frank, Frankie taught us that. That's what I meant. think that's what he was talking about. I think so. Uh, MTV Spring Break made us all want to go to the beach. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I want to do. So I remember trips, like going to Myrtle Beach and just the all the fun there. Just the the ocean, the the people, the energy music playing like it it was all great i mean i even go back to earlier in the 80s going on family vacations with mom and dad and the family grocery getter we would go to like the smokies or we would go deep south to visit relatives like in alabama and i just those are memories that i have so yeah i mean if you're if you're working all the time man you're gonna get grumpy matt has definitely taken that on as his mission in life. I've never seen anybody take more cruises in one year than my man, Matt Moore. <laughs> Matt is a professional traveler. I uh, I try to take my fair share. I think um, Brett Holly <laughs> is. I do. Uh, Brett Holly's pushing my butt. He's he's trying to pass. That me. is true. And Krista Krista uh, Lemaster there. Yeah, Kristen they, GW. Uh, they're they're, on, they're a on a cruise right now. Right now. Like so, those two. Yeah. They're, they're always going. There's. We're in competition. We're in a friendly competition. So, yeah, I, I think relaxing, and and that's kind of where it comes from. My my wife's uh, my wife's mantra is more to, to make the memories than than save the money. If we're going to just be honest, I mean, money's nice, and according to Kevin, it buys happiness. Um, but but and but the whole tickets. thing about the whole thing about the memories <laughs> is is she'll. She'd rather spend it and and do something that we'll remember forever, um, rather than just you know holding on to it like a very smart person would do. <laughs> well, Matt, you know, here's here's a good chance. Isn't your wife a travel agent? She is a travel school agent. teacher by day, travel agent by travel night. Travel agent by night. Give a little plug. Uh, travel more with Michelle. There it is. Look her up on Facebook, and you can uh, see my little wife, the travel agent. There she. Uh, we do travel a lot because a she's a very good planner and she loves to travel, so she can uh, speak speak to your travel needs. So, so. she speaks travelese. She speaks travelese very fluently. So it, it doesn't <laughs> cost any extra. No, no, and that and that was a big thing about she always talks about you know some people people just don't use a travel agent well because some people like to plan. But I think also some people think that, well, if I have her book my trip, it's going to cost more because you got to pay for her to do what you could do yourself. But that's not necessarily the case. I mean, you you know, just to have someone else book your your trip doesn't cost a single extra penny your way. She uh, 
whatever you would do it on your own, she could do it for you. And she takes out the headache of waiting on calls and being on hold for an hour. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, she does all, she loves to play and does that stuff. No extra cost. Tell her I told you. There you go. Yeah. Give her a call. Tell, tell, tell her living tell in the 80s. Sent you. <laughs> tell her the podcast sent you. Yeah. Had they had her booking their trip in vacation, they wouldn't have ended up at Wally World when it was closed. Exactly. That is the moral. why you have a travel agent. Good job, That's right. You're, exactly. You won't find yourself kidnapping John Candy. You put him on a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. Put the dead end on the top of the station wagon. None of those things None would happen, happen if you just use a travel agent. If you just would have yes, avoided it all. That's good stuff right there. That, that's, that's great stuff. There's a commercial for her right there. There it is. <laughs> I grew up in Kansas, so many of our family vacations were to Colorado because it was an easy drive. Weeks spent in the mountains and doing all the fun 80s things that you did back in the day. I remember I wanted my parents so badly to take me to the North Pole outside of Colorado Springs. That's a Christmas-themed amusement park. And there were pictures in all the guidebooks in the 80s. And my dad, the engineer, instead took us to all of the dams in Colorado. And we got to tour all of the dams instead. And so when my kids were finally um, old enough to go to that amusement park, we were out there with my dad, mom, and my sister and her family. And my sister and I took both sets of our kids to the North Pole. And we had a ball. Oh, Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I grew up in a house where nobody took a vacation. I remember two vacations growing up, and that was pretty much it. Um, so ever since I've been married, almost every year, if not multiple times a year, we make a trip to a beach. So in other places, we go to the mountains and a variety of other stops. But we make it a priority every year to shut things down and get the family and hit the road and go to the beach and do a nice little 11 hour trip. <laughs> Nothing better than that. And two boys in the back arguing and which DVD they're going to watch next, you know? <laughs> so yes, definitely a priority in our life. And learned that in the eighties. Real similar to this, um, you know, taking time to relax is taking care of yourself. eighties were big on this. You, you were, I mean, the eighties started off with physical by Olivia Newton-John and this whole thing of being in shape. I mean, I know if you look at the lyrics, that's not what it talks about, but if you watch the video, she's clearly, it's, it's about working out. You guys remember the, the Richard Simmons show in the, in the Oh 80s? yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he kind of had, it's kind of a talk show. He's kind of talking to people about, you know, how to focus on personal health. He had the Jane Fonda workout videos that were really big. He just ESPN dedicated like, Sorry, Matt. ESPN dedicated, I think, like three, four hours straight every morning to workout shows. Oh, yeah. Um, trying to think of what was the guy's name that was always on air. The four- Mike, are you thinking about Gilad Jank- Janklowitz, which had body yes. motion with Gilad? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we, we had him like on the beach with like these hot women around him working oh, out. Wow. Yeah. That's great. I watched that show a lot in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of looked like you in that shirt right now, if I, if I remember right. Kind of. Yeah, pretty much. Well, that that shirt you're wearing work is, for him. 
do you remember the I, I was probably made before the 80s the uh Captain Kangaroo the dude had the the body suit uh Slim Goodbody Slim Goodbody yes remember that had uh, it was no. all about that uh, his his body and the skin and the muscles and the veins and that was his you don't remember that Deborah I, I thought that was El Gante from WCW <laughs> but okay I th- I think I think I think um, Slim Goodbody was El Gigante's uh, inspiration. So just look him up. It's ridiculous. Remember a movie from the 80s called Perfect with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis? And yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm -hmm. Um, That was all about, he's writing a story about fitness clubs and how fitness clubs are becoming like the nightclub of the 80s or the single bars of the 80s. So it's like people are saying, okay, instead of going to the bars and meeting people, let's meet at fitness clubs. So let's find people that have interest in being in shape. Um, so it was huge. Jazzercise started in the 60s, but it became really big in the 80s because of VHS sales. Um, I've had a jazzercise. Yeah. So here, who on here has gone to either like jazzercise or yoga or something along those lines? So I just went to yoga this morning. <laughs> Very good. I'm, I'm sure Rob's been to many a yoga class, maybe yeah. a little jazzercise. I used to have a membership at Nautilus, and I would go there and work out. So that's about the close I got to jazzercise, which was not even close at all. But it was exercise, well, lifting weights in the eighties. In my yeah, my in the 80s, wife, I was at the YMCA. Wow, was it fun to go yeah. to the? It was fun to go to the YMCA. Yeah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> With the hand motions. <laughs> my uh, my wife Shelly actually owned a jazzercise for um, many years. And really? Then, yeah, she owned that in the maybe I don't know ten years or so, and then kind of let that go. Then she switched over and started teaching Zumba. You know, because that's basically 80s jazzercise in the 2000s. So she did that for a long time as well. Oh, wow. But uh, how many classes have you gone to? That's not important. Uh, That's not important. (laughs) Uh, You know, when you got sick, you filled in. Mm -hmm. I could see you up there leading the group. I, I mean, I, I, I was, I, no, I, I, I couldn't do that. Honestly and truthfully, I'm not saying I couldn't do it because it, it wasn't cool. I couldn't do it because I, I can't do it. That's an hour. Those people don't stop moving for an hour. Yeah, I'm there about is it. no chance in the world. I mean, I'm not asthmatic, but if I'm trying to do that, I get real asthmatic. There's no way <laughs> I get asthmatic. I get asthmatic just thinking about it. it it's it's crazy. That's I mean, it, it's it is crazy to that they can do that for an hour. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Sure is. No, in the eighties, wasn't like the the whole muscle beach. Didn't that get real big? You know, people, you know, pumping iron Don't on the beach. Gym, muscle beach, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was popular. That was it. Kind of, yeah. The, the pumping like iron movie up. came out late seventies, and then they had a pumping iron two, which is focused on women in like the mid eighties. So it was like showing more of the women getting into the the bodybuilding and, and exercise part of it. So. Yep. Yep. Nice. You guys remember some of the crazy diets they had in the 80s? They had like the Beverly Hills diet. And then Jenny uh, Craig started in the 80s. But my favorite one, do you guys remember the AIDS candies? No. no. Nobody remembers that? No. There was no. these little 
chocolate suppressants. And their tagline was, AIDS helps you take off weight and keep it off. <laughs> I've tried fad diets, powders, pills. Still, my weight's been up and down like a yo-yo. Until the AIDS plan taught me how to take off weight and help keep it off. AIDS may taste like a candy, but AIDS contains one of the most effective appetite suppressants you can buy. And there's no stimulant in AIDS that could make you nervous. With AIDS, I ate less, so the weight came off. To help keep it off when I sometimes want things loaded with calories, AIDS helps put me in control. Let the AIDS plan teach you how to take off weight and help keep it off. Try peanut butter AIDS. <laughs> oh my man. god so, and it was uh, right before before the, the AIDS, AIDS epidemic. epidemic oh wow that put them out of business yeah yeah okay. so, so they were, right. it was AYDS and, okay. and their their advertisement would be like lose weight the AIDS wires <laughs> so oh, yeah wow. then, yeah that's awesome unfortunate timing <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. oops Oh, that's crazy. Well, what happened was the and, guy that created the supplement went to school with this kid that ended up being a doctor one day. The doctor's the one that, you know, kind of discovered what AIDS was. So he's like, oh, I'll show him. <laughs> I want to call this disease AIDS. I get this. Sorry. Oh, crazy. One minute inside Rob's head. Anyway. <laughs> so Art and Cynthia got married. He, you know, he was always into bodybuilding, you know, or, or working out, Rob. You remember those yeah. days? Oh yeah, I would go to the gym with him. And I went I would and just like him. walk away. Yeah, I can't do all that. He he worked like at Nautilus. He 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 worked as a fitness instructor there, and he got in a bodybuilding competition, and he he came in second place, and we went and saw that. So it was like it's really seeing. It was cool seeing somebody I actually knew that was like really like going to like the next level when it came to like bodybuilding and stuff like that. Now I've never told you guys this, but when I started nationwide, I um was in a bench press competition. They they had what was called the corporate challenge. And so the different companies like Nationwide would go against other similar size companies in different events. So there was a softball, there's table tennis, there's a bench press competition, all these different all these different events about any sport you can imagine. And whoever had the most points at the end would win some kind of trophy like the corp the corporation would get to have that trophy on display for the next year and i started at nationwide i started working out at the gym and someone said you should get in the the bench press competition we need someone for that weight class and so i started practicing bench pressing and i got in the competition and guys i want to tell you something i won i won my weight class uh i think my weight class was 120 how many girls were in it uh Two other girls were in my division. And yeah, there were no guys in my division. <laughs> you nailed it, Mike. Kevin, um, here's okay. Can I interject something here real quick? So sure. when you're talking about yourself being a loser, you know, <laughs> never made it with the ladies. If you just tweak your story a bit, like, yeah, I want to wait for the competition. That's all you need to say. Don't elaborate on that. That you beat four women. That's yeah. A- <laughs> you, you you don't elaborate. You just roll with it, man. You just oh, that's great. Listen, I didn't come in second or third. I came in first. All right, so that's right. That's <laughs> right. I, didn't I beat 
Uh, it's a lot, kind of hard to find grown men at 120 pounds. <laughs> yeah. That'd be yeah. three women and an eighth grader. And, was good. and a cat. <laughs> oh, that's great. So our last This one's a little odd, but something I learned in the 80s. California is a great place to visit, but you don't want to live there. How many of you have been to California before? Yeah. Many times. Yes. So all you've been there. So which parts did you visit? You, San Diego, LA, San Fran. I've been to San Francisco, LA, Anaheim. Okay. Yeah. When I was growing up, I saw this movie. It was, it was, I think it came out in 79, but I saw it on TV in the eighties. It was called California dreaming. And it's about this guy that wants to move to California. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I want to move to California. It's like, it, it's like it's, I'm seeing these palm trees and the beaches. And I'm like, why am I living in the Midwest when I can be living in California? And then in the early 80s, you got Fast Time that comes out. And it's like, oh my goodness. Like it, everything about California seems so cool. And then in 85, which the song was already out, but California Girls is redone by David Lee Roth. I'm like, oh, it's like California Girls. I wish... They all could be California girls. I'm like, I've never met a girl from California. So the very first time I ever flew was 1987. Our youth pastor had moved out to San Diego, and I went out to visit him. First time I'd ever been on a flight. And I landed in San Diego, and I'm seeing palm trees for the first time in my life. And I'm just like, why am I not living here? This is this is amazing. I, I thought it was the greatest place ever. And then when I got married several years later, the second place we flew to was California. The first was Vegas for our honeymoon. And then we flew to California for vacation, went back to San Diego. And we're just like, we should live here. You know, this is like amazing. But then that's also the first time I learned about smog. And that's the first time I learned about how much things cost in California versus here. Like, Gas was so much more expensive and just everything was so much more expensive. Rent, um, houses, just ridiculous. And so I was like, as much as this place seems awesome, <laughs> I don't think I actually can afford to live here or maybe shouldn't live here. And the thing they don't tell you when you're watching movies or television shows with California in them is that the water is freezing cold when you get in. Yes. It is. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was my experience. I was shocked the first time we went and I got in the water and I think I made it up to my knees before I turned around and went back to the warm sand. So. <laughs> yeah. But another thing I noticed. Yeah, Rob, sorry. I was going to say, um, I, I think even going back to as, uh, as a kid, once we found out like Hollywood was in California, I assumed when I went there, I would see a bunch of stars. <laughs> I never saw I've never one. seen one while I'm there. Never seen mm -hmm. one. Like they hide. And so yeah. Okay, I think but it, tell me. I think it's all so romanticized until we get there. Yeah. And it's like, well, not so much. Well, no, I, I saw a celebrity when I was there. Did you? Did you see? Did I have I shared that story before about um I, I did about Jerry Seinfeld? That that time when I met him? No. Nope. 
We went to San Diego, San Diego at the airport, and um, I was flying back from a youth workers conference, and I was there at the airport, and it was like probably midnight, and and uh, there there sat Jerry. I was by myself, and uh, there sat Jerry Seinfeld, and he was sitting in in like he was sitting in a chair reading it like a newspaper, just kind of had it up, and I, I looked over and I saw him. I said. In my mind, I'm thinking that's freaking Jerry Seinfeld, and and I thought, oh, I'm, I'm, I mean, how many times are you gonna get an opportunity? So he was sitting by himself, actually, and, and this is when he was he was dating some young girl back in. I don't know if you remember. He, oh yeah, she was like 19 or something. Really young, yeah. and he was like, yeah, she was 35. sitting, she was sitting like either one or two seats away. He's reading the paper, and I'm thinking, I'm, I got, I mean, I gotta say something. So I, I waited and waited and waited until like no one's around, nobody was acknowledging him acknowledging him either at the time so i just i walked i rehearsed what i was gonna say i was ready to have this you know little moment because I, I think i'm a funny guy he's a funny guy he's gonna recognize me he might put me on the show i don't know i don't know how that's gonna no, work of course so but I'm, I'm ready so i i walk up to him and and i and i i stepped to him i was getting ready to say what i planned to say but then i i realized that when i stepped i stepped a little too close and I now I'm, I'm in his personal space I'm, I'm like right by his feet and he's sitting those seats are sitting low and so he kind of pulls the paper down looks up at me and I thought I, I already messed up I mean I couldn't I wanted to redo it because I, I, I'm already too close and I just went you're you're Jerry Seinfeld that was my opening line and he just kind of looks at me and goes yeah yeah, and I just went. I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me, and he's just looking over the newspaper, and I just I'm and I'm looking down at him because I'm I'm so close, and he's establishing dominance. It was terrible, and I just my the only words <laughs> I could say was, "You're famous." <laughs> that was it. That's all I had. I, there was no. I just said, you were- famous. He goes, "Okay." <laughs> and that was it. And I just okay. turned around and walked away, and it was just. I, I was, the I, next thing you know, you become part of a bit. Well, you know, and, and here's the funny thing: no joke. Probably, I don't know, four or five months later, I'm watching Seinfeld, and there's a there's an episode where him and George see somebody in an airport, and they do this little thing, and they were starstruck on somebody. And in my mind, I'm going, "That's my bit. That's my line." You know, wow. you know what? We're gonna go with that. It but was. It was. It so was. I was kind of on Seinfeld back. In, you were in a way, yeah. in a weird way. The but. time Matt was on Seinfeld, That's pretty cool. Yeah, but yeah, I was. Like that it. was so crazy. <laughs> you're you know, you're famous. You know that had to have cracked him up internal, dude. It was just. I mean, in my mind, it was so smooth, and like I had a you know little Woody band heard. He was coming back. And we just had his connection. He like, hey, have a seat. You know, it, oh, it didn't go that well. Well, you know, yeah, we do. But you know, he wrote you into a bit. I, that that's what we're gonna go. There with. it is. There it is. Gonna go with it. I right. can't imagine you at a loss for words, Matt. I know. I'm. I'm I <laughs> was starstruck. I was starstruck for real. I mean, it was. I was starstruck. It was just and and what's the odds? And and I'm alone too. There was no one there to like you know get me to get it together, get it together. I mean, there was no way to help me. I was just like an idiot, just running right out like a like an idiot. I kind of I kind of had a moment back in uh, so b- back way back in the day. Uh, this this is this is like 
81, 82, maybe, uh, we would go to the, the Ohio Center to watch the wrestling matches. And I'd get in the elevator with Ric Flair. Oh, that's great. And I went, I just, because, I, you know, I'm a fan. I'm like, and I had my shirt on that said Ric Flair on the front and Nature Boy on the back. Yes. And this was back before you could just go to the arena and buy a shirt. Right. Now, I wouldn't wear this shirt to school or anything, but I would wear it to the wrestling match. Oh, yeah. And he went, my shirt. I said, thanks. I'm a huge fan. He says, well, thanks for watching. <laughs> and uh, he got to his floor and uh, he got off. Oh, that's said, so you guys cool. have fun tonight. Pretty cool. We will. Oh, that's and that so was it, man. That's awesome. That's all I needed. I have I'm a Willie Nelson fan. story. What's that? I have oh, a Willie nice. Nelson story. Willie Nelson. No, this, here we you go. can edit this out because it's not 80s. This is five Willie years Nelson's ago. 80s. He has a in his 80s. Yeah. Yeah. In, he, yeah, he's in his 80s, probably closer to 90 at this point, I would guess. But he lives in west of Austin somewhere. He has a house part time. And we're on the west side, southwest side of Austin where we live. And I'm with our dog and our daughter at PetSmart buying dog food. And I'm walking down the aisle and I see a man, his, he's sideways to me. He looks older and he's looking at a rack of some sort of dog toy. But there's this cute little dog in a sack hanging at his side, you know, like a over the shoulder tote. And I'm going up to this man because I'm going to say hello to this dog. The dog is so cute. And my 16 year old daughter's next to me, like, mom, 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 no, 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 mom, mom. Like, what? The dog is cute. She pulls me away, gets me to the cash register, says, That was Willie Nelson. And I turn and look, two long gray braids. Sure enough, it was Willie Nelson. And I was so focused on the dog that I had no idea until she told me. So you go to PetSmart with Willie Nelson? Only one time. That was the only time I ever saw him. So what you're telling me is you go shopping with Willie Nelson. You're that's awesome. And and you and and you're like shops at PetSmart. So, so you are Willie Nelson's personal shopper. There it is. I guess so. That's I what, am. That's what we're gonna and take I away. almost touched his dog. <laughs> okay, that's that that that's got a little weird there, but yeah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> that's, oh, that's funny. Snowball, you've been uncharacteristically quiet tonight ever since you showed us your slim good body shirt. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll wait for an, another subject. <laughs> okay. All right. Speaking of which, I think we have one more subject, don't we, Kevin? That is correct. The last one, very important. Don't get involved in politics. The one exception, the politics of dancing. Agreed. Does anybody remember late 80s? They they had a campaign on MTV to get people to vote. It eventually became Rock the Vote, which started in the early 90s. Yeah. It was all about getting these young people to go out and vote because obviously the push with MTV was if we can get these young people to vote, they're going to vote for Democrats. So it was all about I getting... I they wanted you to vote for uh, Randy with two E's of the Redwoods. Randy of the Redwoods, yes. Oh, gosh. I, I, about him. I thought that was their whole motive behind getting people to vote. Right in Randy. Right in Randy. That's funny. I forgot about that. I did, too. 
Dennis Leary would be on those a lot. He would do a lot of the vote things. But here, the, the thing between difference between then and now, and I'll, I'll let you continue, is um, back then, like, they didn't really try to tell us who to vote for. Like, yeah, they may have been, you know, a little more liberal or whatever, but it wasn't yeah. the thing where they were like, you know, there wasn't like all the candidate bashing that there is now. And there wasn't all of the, yeah. you know, the open endorsement from these TV networks. Well, you weren't going to do any better than Ronald Reagan anyway. So that's know. true. What could you bash? Boom. I think it's important to vote. Uh, very important to vote. But to me, that's the involvement. In, that's my involvement in politics. That's where it stops. I go and vote, um, but I'm not campaigning. I, you know, I just... I had some bad experiences in the early 80s. I remember coming home from school, turning on the TV, and a person I'd never heard of, uh, Anwar el-Sadat, Egyptian mm-hmm. president, had just been assassinated. And it's like it's on the news, and they're sh- they're like – it's like live right there. He, had, I mean it just happened. They kind of like rewind and kind of show these guys jumped out of a truck and just started firing into the crowd, and several people got killed, including him. He, he was the main target. And then – uh, not too long after that, we had a field trip to Eastland Mall to go watch um a movie about Gandhi, which it had, I think it was back from the 30s or whatever. But it came out in the 80s, and I had no idea what this movie was about. But I knew he got involved in politics, and it cost him his life. You know, and I'm like, oh man, I, I, I think I want to avoid politics because this sounds kind of dangerous. Then of course we had Reagan getting shot. That was the first time in our lifetimes. That a president was shot. It was like, oh my goodness! Like this is that was some crazy times, you know. I, I, that was that was pretty wild. I'm like I want to, I want to avoid this kind of stuff. I want to avoid politics. Yeah, Rob, you, can you? You had the Iran Contra scandal. You had the uh, Gary Hart was a presidential candidate and was one of the favorites to get the Democratic uh, nomination, and then he ended up sleeping with was it Donna Rice. So, oh, look, Snowball has his hand up. Yeah, we did a whole thing about uh, political songs a while back. So, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of artists singing about politics back in those days. Real political. So have any of us been on a school board or a city council or anything like that? I haven't. Nobody. Nobody. Always avoided that kind of. I'm I'm kind of like Kevin. Like I, I have my political opinions. I will vote my conscience, and that's kind of where it ends with me. Like uh, I do find myself lately, though, maybe paying a little more attention with all of the the tension in the world. I'm just kind of not becoming like this political activist, but probably being a little more informed than I used to be, and it's a downer. You know, I would rather just sit and talk about 80s stuff all the time and <laughs> talk about what's going on the rest of the world. Can't be blind to it at the same time. Uh, I'm not one of those people that are going to get in this big debate about politics because life's too short. Yeah. yeah, I'm not one to go and pick it at the Capitol or whatever for something. You know, that's just not that's not my cup of tea. It, there's people out there good for them. That's where they want to focus their energy. And that's, that's fine, but it's not for me. So. Yeah. People get super passionate about it. And, you know, back in those days, I mean, mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot more passionate 
there's not a whole lot more passion than trying to take someone's life. So, um, yeah, it's mm-hmm. a thing. We had a lot of protests back then, you know, the, yeah. was it uh, Tiedemann Square and when, uh, even on um, High University, that was in the 70s, I think. That was Kent University. State. Kent yeah. State. Yeah. But I mean, so there's a lot of things that uh, there's some protest and that uh, kind of paved the way for how a lot of a lot of groups act. And, and I just, yeah, I've never been. I, I won't even do the HOA thing. I mean, I've been asked to be on the board. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not messing with any kind of politics. You just I'm prefer not- to receive letters from your HOA asking you to uh, tear down your fence. Yes, I, I, I would rather <laughs> deal with them on that level than be the guy sending the letters to my neighbors, telling them to fix this or fix that. So, but there, you know, it, it takes all kinds, right? We all need to, as we talked about earlier. Uh, stretching out our circle of friends. So we need those people who love the politics and we need those people who hate the politics. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. we, all, we all kind of and, work out. Yeah, there's one song from the 80s that I think it kind of ties all the different groups together and that's Russians by Sting because he asked, you know, do the Russians love their children too? And it's a good question because we know good and well that they do. And all in all, all the people living under all of these different governments are largely the same. We have families, we have children, we love our children, we love our families. And regardless of what country you're in, that's the backbone of all of our society is family and friends. And even though politics get in the way, everybody is still just basically the same. Well said, Debbie. Absolutely. Well said. Thank you. So I had fun with this topic. I don't know about you guys. It was uh it's kind of cool to just kind of chat about some of our life lessons. And I think the more you think about what we, the life experiences we had, especially being teenagers, you know, we were all teens in that time period. Like we learned these things as they were happening. Right. Uh, these aren't things we read about in history books. Um, we actually learned them. So uh, each of these topics here, bring up great conversation and I challenge you guys uh, talk about it. Talk about some of these things with your kids, sit down with a friend over coffee, reminisce about old times, expand that friendship circle. We were talking about at the end of the day, we did grow up in the best of all times. We did. And I mean, to be a teenager when we were, those are great times. We are going to end now. We are going to take the week off. Uh, It is Thanksgiving this weekend or next weekend. So we're going to not have a podcast next weekend, and we'll come back in a couple of weeks. I think we're gonna I think we're gonna start talking about uh, a little rap music. Oh boy! Yeah, we've been wanting to oh. do an episode for a long now time. We're talking, so we're gonna do it. Maybe Snowball will actually speak. Yes. So we'll, we'll <laughs> see how that works out. We're gonna go back and um, here's a song that I posted uh, earlier in the week on our Facebook page. It just sums up those times living in the 80s. So from the movie Iron Eagle from 1986, this is Eric Martin with These Are the Good Times. Guys, thanks for listening. Kevin, Debbie, Matt, Mike, thank you for being part of this. And I hope you all have an amazing week and a happy Thanksgiving. You know, make sure to uh Express your gratitude for the people around you and all you have to be thankful for. 
and uh, we'll pick. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks. Take care. God bless.